Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we hear from a leading political commentator who, to be honest, doesn't think much of e-scooters. I find it very worrying that they are spreading so fast and that nobody seems to be paying attention to the dangers that they pose. What would people who are riding these things be doing if they weren't riding them? Uh, I think they would either be walking or cycling or taking public transport. We have cases from Paris, which legalized them some time ago, of people being quite seriously injured. Mail on Sunday columnist Peter Hitchens is our main highways voice this week, explaining why he thinks the latest big thing in urban transport is a really bad idea. Hear him go full throttle on this week's Highways Voices from Highways News. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. A dissenting voice on our podcast this week, and it's well worth a listen. But firstly, a voice who's familiar on here, Adrian Tatum. And Adrian, before we get on to the stories of the week, happy birthday, Highways News, for yesterday. I know, one year old already. Amazing. It's been it's been an amazing journey in this year. I'm really proud of what you and I have achieved, and our other colleague, Ed. Who, who no one gets to see or hear about, but he's definitely there. This platform that we, we provide for people every day will continue to grow. I'm really proud of it, actually, Adrian. And what's nice is the comments we get from people saying that our daily briefing that comes into your inbox at midday every day is now just a part of their working day. They don't read every story. I wish I wish you did, but you don't. But you flick through it, you look at the headlines, you see what's going on, and then you pick and choose the stories you want to know about. And uh, it's a brilliant way of keeping up to date with everything that's going on in the industry. You could probably, if you spent the time, dig it out from various websites, but that's what we do. We pull it all together, pick out the interesting stuff, and bring it to you in your inbox every day. And talking of which, Adrian, what's caught your eye this week? Again, more funding for councils being announced uh, all over the place. Um, more funding for, for roads in Barnsley this week. And Highland Council in Scotland has set its sights on a multi-million pound transport investment as well. Elsewhere, Transport for Greater Manchester has launched a tram aware campaign after several accidents of other vehicles crashing into its trams. Interesting insights into urban air pollution through vehicle emission data, a project that Vivasti Labs have got involved with there this week. Also on our site, Operation Brock is being removed from the M20 post the end of the Brexit transition period. Potholes are causing a record rise in call outs for the RAC. And I love this story. You could call it clickbait. I just think it's terrific. A Japanese motorway service station toilet that tests how tired you are as you're driving. We really do cover everything on Highways News. Don't forget to sign up for our daily briefing that hits your inbox every day at midday we're into our second year at highways news sign up to stay in the know highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum a few weeks ago i read this in a major newspaper 
the quote is, nobody else seems to be bothered, so here goes. Why have we allowed horrible, stupid electric scooters to infest our streets? Will anyone put a stop to it before it is irreversible? In this idiotic decision, all kinds of other follies are bound up. Uh, further into the article, there were comments about the scooter's green credentials and the fact that they have heavy batteries made with metals grubbed out of the African earth and then how the batteries are charged and the fact that pollution they cause is done elsewhere. And then it comes to active travel, which of course is what the uh, transport industry seems very excited about. The quote said, the journeys they do could mainly be done by foot or bicycle, but to do either of these things you have to make a bit of an effort rather than twisting a throttle. So you can get the idea that the author of this wasn't much of a fan of e-scooters. It's Peter Hitchens, the Mail on Sunday columnist, and he led his column on e-scooters back on the 27th of March. So when someone with a million strong circulation writes something about a major transport initiative, then it'll sure affect people's views on the subject. So I thought I'd ask him on to Highways Voices this week to discuss the subject. I'm delighted to say he said yes and joins us today. Peter, thank you for being our Highways Voice this week. My pleasure so far. Uh, before we start, I just want to place where you are on the transport spectrum to sort of set your stall out on this, because I think we can safely say you're no Jeremy Clarkson petrol head. Absolutely not. No, I think the, the, the invention of the motor car was probably one of the greatest tragedies to afflict mankind. And the, the enormous overuse of private motor cars has been a disaster for civilizations, which I think could have developed much better without them, both in you know, noise, danger, air pollution, the dependence on nasty despotisms for your main fuel, the redesigning of cities and lives around a device which, if used according to the manufacturer's instructions, will make its users ill. A very strange diversion from a civilization which had up until then been developing much more in the direction of uh, electric trams and electric railways, which I think uh, would have been a much, much better direction to take supplemented of course by walking and bicycling uh, much quieter much cleaner much healthier and causing cities and towns to develop in a much more civilized fashion around transport hubs rather than in the hideous urban sprawl and indeed rural sprawl we now see so much of so no i'm not a i, I, I my views on transport are actually quite quite radical but uh, radical from a conservative position. I'm always baffled by my American friends' worship of motor cars and uh, point out to them that, that in fact they can only survive as a result of an enormous nationalized state-supported interstate highway system, which was basically put together on a, a fraudulent prospectus by Dwight Eisenhower, who, who claimed that they were necessary for nuclear evacuation purposes. I don't think he would ever got the money past uh, Congress if he hadn't said that. So I read out some of your quotes on e-scooters. What prompted you to actually, with everything else going on in the world at the moment, lead your column on them? Well, the thing about having a weekly column is that you can you can speak about a large number of things. Of course, for the past year or so, everything I've written has been dominated by the the COVID crisis and the resultant strangulation of our society and economy, which has obviously been preoccupying me, but I don't want to say nothing else to, or to believe that nothing else is important or to forget that other things are going on while I'm doing this. And one of the things that I've increasingly noticed is this the spread 
not just in this country, but uh, elsewhere, of these extraordinary vehicles. And I find it very worrying that they are spreading so fast and that nobody seems to be paying attention to the dangers that they pose. I happen also to be very skeptical about electric bicycles, which have also become much more common and think that having spent 40 years taking part in campaigns for special bicycle lanes separate from traffic uh, and indeed separate from motor vehicles to find them being invaded by what are in effect electric motorbikes, which I regard as a danger to ordinary, ordinary cyclists and not deserving of what you might call the privileges given to ordinary cyclists. is it, 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 I wouldn't call that an obsession, but it's a preoccupation. I And I'm just astonished that a very, very large social and transport change is taking place almost entirely without public discussion. So let me read out a quote from Transport Minister Rachel McLean, who said, E-scooters may offer the potential for convenient, clean and cost-effective travel that may also help ease the burden on the transport network, provide another green alternative to get around and allow for social distancing. Well, I thought it could have been written by the PR people who work for the scooter companies, couldn't it? It contains on an ounce of skepticism. What's green about them? They function on heavy batteries, which are, I know this isn't directly an environmental issue, but the, the metals necessary for those batteries are grubbed out of disgusting slave mines in Africa, one of which I once visited and was very nearly, very nearly killed at. Horrible places of, of exploitation. The idea that something which has a battery is clean is, is, is just simple-minded. Batteries have to be charged with electricity, which is generated somewhere. An awful lot of British electricity is generated in places which environmentalists disapprove of. Much of it, for instance, in French nuclear power stations because of the huge amount of energy we now import because we can't make enough of our own. So I believe we still import some energy from continental countries which which generate their electricity by oil and coal-fired power stations. And of course, even in this country, there's quite a lot of diesel generation going on. So the idea that they, they, are, they are by themselves clean because they don't give out clouds of smoke is a, is, is a fantasy. And as for the rest of it, what, what would people who are riding these things be doing if they weren't riding them? Uh, I think they would either be walking or cycling or taking public transport. And I don't think they, that they're being diverted from motor cars. I think it's possible, that's a theory of mine, that they've become popular among that class of people who either can't be bothered to pass or have lost their licenses for various reasons, but who, who are not prepared to make any kind of physical effort to get around. Uh, but I don't think that's something that anyone should be, be encouraging terribly. This is complacency. And nobody talks about the fact, that, which is known to anybody, in, in, even in our uncrowded cities at the moment, uh, that these things are ridden, very much ridden on pavements and on footpaths and places where, where vulnerable people are. And they can they can attain speeds. I know officially they're limited, but everybody also knows that the, the limits can be easily overcome with a bit of electronic know-how. Uh, they can attain speeds of 25 miles an hour. And they're quite heavy. Uh, I, if you pick one up, to be struck by one of those things on, from behind on the pavement is quite dangerous. And we have cases from Paris, which 
legalized them some time ago, of people being quite seriously injured. A, a leading musician at the Paris Opera had, had basically had her playing arm broken and ruined uh, by being crashed into by one of these things. And when they go on the public roads, they're terribly vulnerable and dangerous. And again, in Paris, people have died uh, on, on public roads riding them. It, it, it's, I, I, I'm amazed that anybody thinks it would be safe to do so in, in, in heavy traffic, but they do. And they don't look to me after decades of trying to make motor cars and motorcycles safer with uh, with better braking and, uh, and, and better helmets for motorcyclists and, and indeed cars and side impact protection and airbags and all the rest of it, suddenly to license these totally vulnerable machines, uh, which I can't, it, I find very hard to imagine have have braking uh, power equivalent to that of a of a of a, of a modern car or motorcycle, or even a, a decently equipped bicycle. I, I put them on the roads and on the pavements. What are they doing? I think it's interesting you you mentioned that because the Transport Select Committee looked at this and they talked about pavements and said very much that they should not be legalized on pavements and they should only be able to be used on roads and interestingly during the trials the numbers and types of collisions that take place must be monitored Mm. well i don't know who's doing the monitoring but you can say that they shouldn't be ridden on pavements as much as you like but who's going to enforce that when did you last see a, 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 a policeman patrolling on foot on a pavement a mechanical device is is inevitably more dangerous than one which is simply powered by by human muscle, and there is also, I think, the danger because who's going to be policing this, and what penalties are going to be imposed if they do? The danger that that people using them uh, might have been drinking or taking drugs, and there they are weaving along on crowded pavements at up to twenty five miles an hour. It, it, you, you couldn't, if you were designing a recipe for injury and quite possibly death, especially of small children who might get in the way of this, then you couldn't really come up with a better one. No one's thinking about this. Is there any place for them anywhere? I don't know. I mean, all, all I know is this, that if, if you license them widely, and given that the current state of our police force, which by and large, is, it, it, if they were abducted by aliens, no one would notice for, for days. If you license them widely, they will appear all over the place. And unless you make serious reforms to policing at the same time as introducing them, I think you're courting a grave danger. I think the experience of Paris tells you this. And again, there are experiences. Many continental countries have, have, have had experiments with them. And some British cities have had experiments with them, which has been a lot of riding on the pavements and, and, and injuries. And I think in one case, the experiment had to be called off because of this. And, and yet nothing happens because this is an ex where, where these experiments are held. They're the kind of experiment which is, which is designed to succeed and will be recorded as a success. Because it's, and it's plain to me from the news coverage of this uh, that there is a very strong and extremely effective lobby for their for, for their legalisation. So I spend a lot of my time working and, and reading about and reporting on initiatives to make transport safer and greener and more efficient. And until a year ago when we were told, stop using public transport, if you have to travel, travel in your own private car to um, stop spread of coronavirus, then before that, it has always been about trying to reduce the use of the private car. So 
how would you, as somebody who's written and studied about it yourself, how would you recommend that we solve the transport challenges that we have up and down the country? Well, you you turned me into a wholly different area here, which is the the, the national panic over COVID and the the ratnerization of the railways by our prime minister, uh, who's put people off public transport by spreading the idea that it's fantastically dangerous to do so. I happen to think that the dangers uh, of COVID, which is obviously a, a, a serious disease if you catch it, but the dangers of it have been have been considerably exaggerated over the past year. And I think the damage done to public transport by that has been considerable. Even if you rejected my position on that, though I have to say the evidence that I've seen from research conducted by the both British and German railways tends in my direction. Even if you reject that and say, oh, actually, we really are going to have to continue with incredibly wide spacing of passengers in public transport forever and ever, I, I have to say that electric scooters are not the answer to the problem because they're too dangerous for the people who aren't using them. What would you do? I mean, you know, we can't, sadly, when I think you and I share a same anti-hero of Ernest Marples and the fact that the man didn't seem to ever do anything in his public service that wasn't to the uh, benefit of Ernest Marples and, in fact, managed to then even blame somebody else for the closure of the railways that he oversaw. What could we do in order to improve mobility without having a reliance on the private car? Well, I think fundamentally we need to close down the Department of Transport as it currently is and replace it with a, with a proper ministry for, uh, for transport, uh, which was not wholly concerned with sustaining road travel and promoting the use of the car and designing our, our cities and our countryside around the use of the car, the, the dominance of British transport policy by the by the motor car and the road lobby is so total that it, until it's overthrown, there, there are going to be all kinds of horrible consequences. I would like to see it overthrown. And if ever I came within in any reach of power, the, the thing, one of the things that I would be most anxious to do would be to reverse uh, the Marples era and re-establish the, the the idea that there are other means of getting about which are which are preferable. But until you do that, you're going to have problems. But whatever you do. There is no problem to which electric scooters are the answer, except the problem of people who want to make money out of selling electric scooters. Peter Hitchens is columnist of the Mail on Sunday. He never pulls any punches. He hasn't there. I'm sure there'll be plenty of opinions among listeners to Highways Voices. I'd love to hear them. Mr Hitchens, thank you very much for taking time out to talk to us. Well, thank you for asking me. Thanks a lot. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Before we carry on, I mentioned Ernest Marples in the interview with Peter there, and you may not know much about him, and we don't really have time to talk about him now, but please do Google him. His Wikipedia page is actually a pretty good place to start. Um, I promise you it will make your hair stand on end. So Peter Hitchens joined me there. And Adrian, he certainly puts his case for opposition to e-scooters across. And to be honest, I think it's important that we as an industry do listen when there are concerns about the direction we're taking, because we've got to make sure we don't live in an echo chamber where we're all agreeing with each other without seeing the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, e-scooters has been something that we've we've tracked over the last year. I would say more than 10 local authorities now have either started or, or part of a trial. They seem to be going well. They seem to be implemented well, especially those that are real collaboration projects between e-scooter providers, local authority and other road network 
providers. So I think all the signs are there that but they may work. But, you know, Peter makes an interesting point. It's, a, it's the things you don't think about, like what, what happens when there's an accident and how do we deal with that and whose responsibility is it? So I think he, may, he makes some fair points, but, but I don't want to take anything away from the local authorities that are implementing these trials because I think, you know, providing another mode of travel when, when we've got so much funding for active travel and alternative travel, whatever way you want to look about it, is obviously a, a great thing for the industry. I think there are many positives we can look at, but it is about making sure that we keep the safety first and foremost in everything we're thinking of. So that was Peter Hitchens talking about e-scooters. I'd love to hear uh, what you think about that. So do drop us a line here at Highways News. In a moment, we'll hear some important news about signals funding in England. But before that, it's time for Adrian's Accolade. So it's safe to say that Peter Hitchens wouldn't be giving an accolade to e-scooters if he were you, Adrian, that's for sure. But Adrian, you're giving something or someone the thumbs up this week. Who does your accolade go to? So this week, my accolade goes to the team at EIB. They are providers of specialist work-winning support, and they've raised money for the, the Birmingham Children's Hospital. It's not the fact that they've raised money, because there's lots of other companies that are raising money all the time in this industry for charity, and lots of money. But I think it, the interesting thing about this is that they actually, between them, between the, between the team of 22, did 12.6 million steps, which is 6,238 miles. And that is exactly the same amount as walking Transport Scotland and Highways England strategic network, which is why they did it. So quite, quite a novel idea there um, to raise money. And, you know, the driver behind that was to, you know, the team were working at home a lot. They were missing going out and social interaction and a drive for their well-being as much as uh, raising money for charity. So they are definitely my accolade this week. So well done to EIB, who are Adrian's accolade on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Before we go, I just want to remind you of uh, an interesting funding round that's going on at the moment uh, involving the Local Council Roads Innovation Group, Elkrig, and £15 million worth of extra money, which has been allocated by the Department for Transport to supplement existing local authority spending on upgrade and maintenance of traffic signals and associated equipment. So Darren Capes, who is manager of the Transport Technology Forum, and works at the Department for Transport, joins us now on Highways Voices just to tell us a, a little bit more about it. Darren, is this some sort of funding competition and uh, and what's the money being used for? I think the first thing to say is that this isn't a traditional competition. We're not expecting people to compete in the normal way. This is an expression of interest. We, we have a pot of money that we intend to hand out to local authorities. But before we do that, we, we just need some, some proof from local authorities that they have policies in place around around understanding their assets, around maintenance, around, around how they view technology, around how they view technology fitting into wider policies. So the process that we, we, we've set up has a, a small number, just seven challenges that we need people to just respond to. And we don't expect people to do a lot of work around this either. We, we expect people to provide evidence of what they're already doing, just to give us some, some clarity about the policies and, and procedures that authorities have in place. Should authorities pass those challenges, and many, many will, then the funding will be awarded accordingly. It sounds like, therefore, that 
you know, if you were to use a sort of high street analogy, you're far from being the bouncer with your arms crossed trying to stop people getting in. You're almost a guy with a golf sale sign saying, please, you know, come in this way. You're actually encouraging authorities to uh, to apply for the funding. Absolutely. Yeah. Please, please do come in this way. That, that, that's absolutely the message. We, we've been told over many years and, and any, any, anyone like, like myself who's worked in local authority traffic signals will, will know that there's been a, a real problem resulting in traffic signal maintenance over many years. And a large proportion of the country's traffic signals do need work. They need repairing, they need upgrading, they need new technology. We realise this is a serious problem and, and this, this is a great first step by government to, to put some money into, into fixing this. So we, we absolutely want to work with as many authorities as we can to start the process of, of upgrading traffic signals. Does 15 million quid really go very far? It won't solve all the problems. It won't fix everything. It, it's a good start. It allows us to to start the process, to get people thinking about this, to get people who maybe haven't done an awful lot of prioritisation or, or thinking around signal maintenance in the past because they know they have such limited resources. It gets people thinking about that. And it, it, gets, it gets this kind of on the pitch as a subject that can be funded, that we can do work around and that we can start to put right. And of course, it's a, and of course, efficient optimized traffic signals make such a big difference to congestion levels safety levels and therefore of course uh, air quality so it's quite a simple is probably the wrong word but very effective way of actually improving many things in one place it is and that, that's absolutely true and certainly you'll see should you go onto the, the Elkrig website and look at the challenges we've set look at the evidence what we're asking for we are asking people to show us how how they in their areas think that, that traffic signals will contribute to to decarbonization to active travel to to dealing with congestion and traffic signals are one of the few ways in which we can directly influence the way that traffic behaves so they are crucial to to policy making i think the other thing to say of course is that once you plant traffic technology in the ground it can be there for 10 to 15 years now as we know the next 10 to 15 years in urban transport are going to be transformational we see increased use of data increased connectivity moving towards autonomy moving towards new 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 types of technology so not only is it crucial that we get the traffic signals that we have working today to solve today's problems it's also crucial that we get the right technology in the ground to ensure that we can make the best of, of the coming technologies the emerging technologies that we're starting to see coming over the next few years which again is why one of the challenges we're asking local authorities to provide evidence for is the policies that an understanding they have around technology vision and where they expect their cities to be going in the next 10 to 15 years brilliant darren thank you very much indeed we've uh, put a link on the blurb for today's highways voices with details of the uh, funding round and a link to the elkrig website um i think it's great news that uh, we're going to be making sure that we're not just concentrating on new technology but uh, making sure that technology that's been around for a while is working as efficiently as possible thank you to darren capes for being a highways voice today thank you to peter Hitchens as well, voice of controversy, but uh, he certainly put his case extremely well on e-scooters. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Next week, we will be talking more on transport modelling, funnily enough, off the back of something that Darren said when he joined us on Highways Voices a few weeks ago. So that will be an interesting discussion we're having next week on Highways Voices. For now, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to tell all your colleagues about us and uh, we'll speak again next week. Thanks for listening. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 